Hey there, he's, she's, they's, and we's. You're listening to another episode of Let's Talk Life podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to Let's Talk Life on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram. Please share our podcast with your friends, send us a comment, or forward pictures of your dogs. We love it all. Now, without further ado, I'm Angela. And I'm Jackie. And you're listening to Let's Talk Life podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to our friend Nick Stahl, who's now an American expat living in Florence, Italy for the past five years. We're going to talk about his journey moving halfway across the globe, adjusting to a new culture, and of course, observing the Trump era from afar. So we are here with our very close friend, Nikki Stahl, who we went to high school with. Um, Nikki, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me today. It's really tonight where I am. So yes, I appreciate okay. yeah, right. our, our very nice coordination. So it worked out on both time, time zones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, so for the listeners who may not realize what we're alluding to, uh, Nikki is in Italy right now and we had him on the podcast because we're very interested in discussing with you what it's like to be an expat to be an American living outside your country of origin um I also sort of feel like it's not incredibly common for people born in America to move out of the country um, I think, you know, people in Europe oh, move, you know, to different countries within Europe and that that's more common, but Americans, they seem very grounded in America. So <laughs> very excited to discuss that with you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So uh, my name is Nick or Nikki or in high school, like Jackie said, Nikki Stahl. Um <laughs> Many it really did go I together. Have. It really did. Yeah, go yeah I I know I had one of those names that you could just like put together, and it was just gold. It was just gold. Unfortunately, that was like also not the best thing. You know, it was very easy for people to make fun of me. But whatever, we won't go into that today because we're going to talk about my uh, my second. Now you're life. like a cosmopolitan <laughs> European. My second life. So yeah. No, I wouldn't consider myself. I wish I was a European. You know. Um. Anyway, so let me do my little intro. You know, yeah, so introduce yourself to us. What are you I'm Nick. Doing? I I only let people from high school call me Nikki Stahl, by the way, and very few people. Um, I usually go by Nick. I have been living in Italy, in Florence, for the past... Oh, my God, guys. My five-year anniversary is coming up in three weeks. Whoa. Yeah, February 1st. So uh, I'll, be, I'll have been here for five years in, in three wow. weeks, which... Is about four years and eight months longer than I had planned originally. I would so, love Can't wait to hear about that. You know, so I, um, I had originally come here to study abroad during a really, really, um, not just chaotic, but also very destructive period of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to engineering school, um, which had proven to, to be a very intense three years of my life um no doubt and you know I went through a lot of the same things that um you know a lot of college students 
tend to go through for whatever reason, you know, so I was experiencing a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of things like that. At some point, I was even hospitalized. Um, and so this kind of just, I wasn't even into, you know, I wasn't so set on studying abroad, you know, when I went to college. And especially with engineering, it's particularly hard just because um, usually right. engineering schools are very strict in their curriculum and you can't find other Right you can't time find to other classes away. exactly either the timing is off or you can't find classes to take abroad if you don't do a minor I was able to do a minor also I had some extra I had some room for you know some flexibility because I was in a five-year program instead of a four so I had come at a really really terrible point in my life you know and I was not expecting anything I didn't expect anything out of Italy out of Europe out of you know, I didn't even pick Florence because I was like, oh my God, Florence sounds amazing. I, there was just about three different countries I could go to and my blood, I'm Italian, even though Italians don't consider me Italian, you know, after living here for five years, I'm, I'll always be a straniere. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, I always, I'll always be a straniero, but it's okay. Now, what does that mean it. when you say that? It's uh so it, it means foreigner. It means foreigner. I see. Okay. Um, it, I mean, it sounds like stranger, so it's kind of along right, the same, right. you know. So I'll always be considered, in some way, shape, or form, oh. a a stranger to this country. You know, um, I wasn't born here. My parents weren't born here. You know, my my bisnonni, my great grandparents were born in Italy. I think just one set, maybe even just one of them. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I had come here and I had just, I had chosen Italy between, I don't know, there was another one, maybe like Budapest and uh, I don't know, possibly Spain. Mm -hmm. I had picked uh, between a few different options. And uh, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't expecting anything. I had absolutely no expectations, no preconceived notions. I had never traveled outside of the country except to Canada which I don't really count because we drove there and it's basically <laughs> New York. You know, you can still see New York. So <laughs> I, I don't really count that. Um, but yeah, I had never been out of the country. It was quite a, uh, I don't know. I, I had come here with one of my closest friends from engineering school. We were, we hadn't known each other before college, but then uh, our second or third year of college, we had, little group it was me and three other girls and uh we had all three of us had lived in the same building in Hoboken and we um eventually just became really really good friends um so we had both decided to take the plunge and go to Italy for four months and that's where it all started <laughs> that's, that's how long yeah, it, was it was supposed to be it was supposed to be three and a half or four months yeah the wow. program so, yeah, so what happened during those four months and then towards the end of it, did you come home and then decide I want to go back? Okay, so this is actually really interesting. Um, I decided on my second day here that I was going to stay here. It what? was not, it was not even into the, yeah, I can bring you, this is, I mean, I, I, t I mean, I tell people all this, I tell people this all the time and they 
are understandably a little bit shocked by this. Um, but I had showed up here to Florence and I had paid for a very expensive program. You know, study abroad the programs, unfortunately, aren't cheap, mm-hmm. even though they, they should be subsidized in some form, whatever. Ooh. I digress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, I had showed up here, you know, after paying a botto, which is what we say in Italian, like a massive sum of money yeah it sounds like <laughs> and, a boatload, uh, basically. Uh, yeah a I, I i spent a boat of money you know i had worked uh, different internships and i had basically spent all the money that i had saved from my two or three different internships in the previous uh you know during my college years i'd come here arrived you know they they put us up in a, a five-star hotel for three nights or a four-star hotel which is only a block and a half from where I'm sitting right now and um so they put us up in this hotel and they give us random roommates and it was it was just really weird so I had only gone there knowing or come here rather knowing uh, my one friend Christina so we were we were here together in the hotel obviously we weren't roommates because our roommates in the hotel were our our uh, our future house roommates for the next four months mm. um so they put us up in this hotel and you know we had just gone around uh you know looking for people in the hotel I mean the entire hotel basically was populated by my study abroad program because there was so many kids from all over the country um so you know, everyone was kind of going around, meeting each other, hopping around, you know, hotel room hopping, basically, is what mm-hmm. I'll call it. And um, so then we had randomly just, you know, the next day after we had arrived, because I assume, I don't even remember what time we had arrived here. But uh, the next day or so, I we, we had all gone out for a walk, and I was on this little, little tiny street. I mean, whatever, they're all tiny. We're in Italy, let's be honest. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I mean, some some are larger than others, but, you know, they're all basically like alleyways. Um, I was in an alleyway street and just standing, you know, nothing special. It wasn't even a, a special street. It's not like I was standing in front of the Duomo, although I was only two blocks away. Um, I wasn't in any particularly beautiful street. Actually, it's quite ugly. And uh, I was just standing in the middle of it, you know, with a, a random group of new friends that I had made. And I was standing there and after feeling for, you know, I was having, a, I was going through a really, really long period of depression in my time, not long, but, you know, at least two or three months before I had arrived here, I was uh, dealing with depression and anxiety, like I said before. Um, I was standing in the middle of the street and after, you know, however long it was, maybe three or four months of such a tumultuous period, I was just completely content with myself again. Like I had not even realized that uh, reaching a level of contentness could bring you that, that sort of emotion. So I was standing in the street, an ugly street, uh, in Florence, my second day here, it was February 2nd, 2000. What year is it? Oh, 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank God. <laughs> well, let's see. Um, so this was yeah, in way back. 2016, I think, mm-hmm. if I'm right. If I can do math, I went to engineering school, so I would right. hope to believe I can. <laughs> and um, I had just experienced this feeling of 
complete relaxation and uh, just being content with myself. And there, there was no sort of um, event that led to this realization or anything like that. You know, I had just, it just, um, it hit me and I was like, you know what? I think this is my city. You know, I think I need to live here. So I was here for one day. I probably couldn't even say ciao yet. You know, <laughs> my, my Italian vocabulary was probably even more limited than I'd like to. I mean, I was here for one day, you know, and it's like, so I had just told myself, I was like, this is your place. You need to, you need to stay here. So over the next, um, over the course of the program, which was, like I said before, three, three and a half months or so, I had made it my, um, because in the back of my mind, I know I'm a determined person. I know, you know, I'm a very, at times also irrational, you know, making these decisions, <laughs> I can be very irrational and um, expect for everything to work out and be like, there's a way, you know, I have a will, so there's, there must be a way. Um, but also at the same time, I had to keep in the back of my mind, okay, maybe moving 4,000 miles, miles away from your home and stopping university and not getting your degree and uh, kind of just fucking around for a bit <laughs> isn't the best uh -huh. idea, you know, after you've had a fairly unstable yeah, it's quite a past two or three years of your life, you know, um, so, but I think the instability is what led me to make this decision. I was like, you know what? what can be worse than what I've already gone through? So I, um, I kind of made it my, my goal over the next three or four months to learn as much as possible about the Italian culture and actually see, uh, you know, experience it instead of what most study abroad students do, which is, you know, hang out at the American bars, hmm. only talk to American students, don't even learn how to say, you know, una parola, check. Nemeno ciao, not even ciao, they don't learn. So uh, mm -hmm. um, I, I really, I, I tried to make it my, my, my goal over the next few months to uh, really immerse myself into, into the culture to see if it could really be a place that I could stay. Um, and I did it, here I am, five years later. <laughs> wow, okay, it definitely wasn't, <laughs> Not like that sounded very simple, but it, it, it certainly could not have been that simple. Okay. I mean, Listen, it, it definitely was intuitive. Maybe not simple, but like intuitive. Right. It did sound very, yeah, like it felt like a natural thing for you. But there's so yeah. many mechanics that go so into a move like that. So how did so you get your <laughs> life from America here and then... Very slowly. Just through Very. a couple of the jobs that you've had since you've been okay. you sort of oh, lived numerous couple. lives already. Oh my god, um, numerous! I've had okay, definitely my American life and my Italian life because that's definitely a, a massive, immense separation between the two. But also all of my different lives in Italy. Right. It, there's a laundry list, you know. So I, <laughs> um, <laughs> I so I showed up here and I, like I said, I was super optimistic. I was like this is my place. I need to be here. I just had this weird intuition in the back of my mind. Um, and then, you know, having realized that maybe I was a bit um, ahead of myself, let's say, <laughs> I had started thinking about all the logistics of it. And I was like, oh, fuck, 
you know, this is not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I must say, though, that if I wasn't as immature as I was and as young as I was, I think it, it would have been nearly impossible for me to make that, that change. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. to, to just, you know, pick myself up. And also my level of unhappiness and, you know, discontentness with yeah. my life. Yeah. That definitely helped <laughs> the move, you know, it definitely made it a lot easier. I was mm-hmm. like, you know what, fuck it. Well, I don't even care if I don't have a job. I don't care if my parents don't support me. I don't care if I have to live in a box under the Ponte Vecchio. I will do it and I <laughs> will make it work, you know. So, um, yeah, so let's talk about my jobs. So I Ooh. came here. I was a student, luckily, for an entire four months. So I didn't really have to worry about, although I did try. In Italy, if you have a student visa, you are allowed to work up to 20 hours a week. I did try getting um, jobs. Oh, wait, I did have a job. You know, I've had so many jobs that I actually forget (laughs) about all of the jobs. I did have a job while I was a student. I was an English teacher at a a school called Canadian Island here, um, teaching little kids. I won't call them what I would like to call them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not a fan of children, but I decided to, as a, as part of my journey to really immerse myself in the Italian culture, I decided to work at an, uh, a school, you know, a, an English school, where I could teach. Um, not not even just uh, you know these kids were three years old, four years old. They couldn't even. They could barely speak Italian, you know, mm-hmm. so I, uh, I decided to do that just because it was, it was fairly simple, I think, you know, it was the path of least resistance. I had, um, I had got the job because I had met this lady who I had then after realized she was quite a crazy bat, you know, she was bat straight crazy. She mm. was in her in her 50s and I for some reason just always gravitate towards older people I mean especially with parents and things like that parents get get enough of me I can't get enough of parents I don't know what it is it's it's, (laughs) I've met both of your parents I I think you can confirm and you hit it off let me tell you exactly so I I had met this lady another a fellow expat which I you know you as an expat being in a place for you know a week or a month or something and being so far away from home mm. um you gravitate towards uh, towards other expats so I was like oh she's fair game she looks cool she looks normal whatever so uh because I had my cafe uh, which was called Moose Cafe um and she it was also her cafe so we had both gone there I had gone there almost every day of the week you know after I had an Italian class that was two or three days a week ended at 10 15 so mm. you know prime cappuccino time mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. um so whenever I had gone in there she was also in there so I just I have no uh, reservations about talking to strangers which could be good could be bad but um this one turned out to be bad uh, <laughs> so I had just randomly um decided to strike up a conversation with her so she was about a 50 year old woman and you know she was nice enough had been there every single day so it's like you know it was something that was comfortable you know you, you see these people even if you don't know them they they, they, they seem that like they could be someone that you could gravitate towards mm-hmm. you see them every day in their spot and it's your spot you know it's 
it's your mutual spot. So you mm-hmm. feel like you already have a connection with them. Um, and she was also a student at the school. She was a mature student at the school and, or she had been, and she had graduated the year before. Um, uh, she was from Boston and she, um, she was, she was just living in Italy, kind of fucking around a bit. And um, which should have kind of set off some alarms, some raised some red flags, you know, if you think about it, a 50 year old woman with a child and a husband maybe shouldn't be fucking around in Italy while they have things to do oh. back home, but, but whatever. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I digress again. <laughs> um, so then she had referred me to another friend who was a younger student about my age at the school. And um, she, was, um, she was English and Italian. She had grown up in Italy, but her mom was uh, from England. So she was perfectly bilingual. And she had worked at this this school. So she had referred me and the school, as it turns out, is always desperate for (laughs) always desperate for people. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those places of employment that maybe they don't treat you terribly, maybe they don't pay you enough, but yeah, they always need someone. So Mm -hmm. that's what I did, you know. So I did that for probably about two months. And that was my first job in Italy. I was well, two months while I was still in school and then I wound up continuing it for another year or so after and then at some point I was just like okay fuck this um <laughs> I was it's just a like a long time these... to be working with kids that you don't oh my god it was I mean it was terrible it yeah. was it was I don't know how to say it but those for lasting uh, long. I, I'm shocked that I, I lasted that long you know it was um I have, you know, friends to this day who worked there for three, four, five, six, ten years, you know, and it really takes something out of you working with kids. And besides from the fact that I really despise most children, you know, if I don't have a, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I just don't like children so much, but not so let's say person. that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That definitely was not an ideal job for me and I did realize down the line I was like you know what maybe this is just not worth the stress maybe I'm just maybe this is a bad idea um yeah so that was my first job in Italy and then after that you know as soon as I stopped going to school I was like gotta hit the ground running you know it's like I need to find a way because at that point I had found an apartment and um with this lady this crazy cafe lady, right? With her, okay. With, exactly. This is where it gets fucked up. I mean, you don't want to, whatever. So she um, she was also looking for an apartment because she couldn't afford hers. More alarm bells, even though she's 50 years old, can't afford to live in her apartment, whatever. I don't judge. Um, but she was a crazy bat anyways. Um, so we had decided to, to move in together. You know, I was literally here for two months, knowing very few words, but right. trying my best. Calling up, you know, um, how do you say it in English? Oh God, I can't remember my You're English You're a real word Italian. Anymore. <laughs> no, yeah, I can't. Don't let them tell you otherwise. Calling like up realtors? A, like, yes, like a housing agent, a realtor. Thank yes. you. I'm just like, agente immobiliare, how do you say that? How do you say it? <laughs> so I, I was calling up all these agents, desperate looking for a house for like two months for the both of us. And of course, she was absolutely useless in the entire process. 
nice. more red flags. Yep. <laughs> the red flags keep coming here. Um, so we had eventually found a house. We had moved in together. I, we found a really, really beautiful house that was a little bit outside of the center, um, which I was totally okay with because at this point I was like fully into the Italian lifestyle. I was like walking, taking a bus, fuck that. I'm going to fucking bike to work every single day, you know, or bike to wherever I have to go. You know, we're metropolitan here. We need, you know, we need to have a bike. So I was like, sign me the fuck up. I never want to drive a car again. <laughs> you know, I was like, take away my license. <laughs> no, it, it was a really um, uh, liberating feeling, you know, being able to bike across the city to, to get to, to work or my, my new school. So I had started a, a new school. I had decided to, culinary is one of my passions. So I had decided to go to culinary school because I was like, okay, engineering school, although I never finished it, is absolutely the wrong life choice for me. I don't think I could have been more wrong. I despise myself <laughs> for... <laughs> I despise myself for actually making that mistake and sticking with it for three years because it was really a waste of my time um, and the amount of stress that caused whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to go to cooking school. Um, so I had found a cooking school here um, and uh, they had a three-year program. It was a private school um, because I wasn't really so still and not so um don't have such a large understanding of how italian universities work you know the Mm. state schools even though they are you know public schools here are public schools so really the most that you would pay for a year of school of university school is a few thousand euros you know that's if your your parents make the most amount of money they're in the highest tax bracket and they might the most amount of money possible um which in hindsight I should have done I should have just gone to an Italian school um but instead I decided to go to a a much smaller obviously and more specialized culinary school in the center of Florence um and then you know that didn't last so long I was uh not really happy with that also because the school in Portugal turned out to be really unprofessional in a lot mm. of the way they did things, you know, the pro- some of the professors would just not show up to class without telling us, which is very Italian, you know, they would mm. have, I mean, whatever, they would have smoke breaks during, during the class, which I guess was shocking culture wise for me, you know, right. I, had, I yeah. swear to God, I was here for four months and as, a, as an American student, you know, having worked pretty extensively with American students in the past few years, um, in various positions and a plethora of work, work spaces and different jobs and positions, whatever. I can say that a lot of them, um, to the best of my knowledge, really experienced some really deep form of culture shock, which I had absolutely not experienced at all. Um, I, I kind of just felt at home here. So, um, it was weird things like that, you know, with the school, you know, they were taking smoking breaks halfway through the lessons. I was like, okay, guys, you and that is that. very I'll... different. I'm pretty sure those <laughs> don't exist here. I was like, I'll just chill here. You guys go in the, <laughs> go in the courtyard. You enjoy that, Seggy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, to answer your original question, 
I really need to start digressing more because I, I go so far off the beaten path. But that's it's okay. all interesting. Yeah. So you, <laughs> when you, you quit so. culinary school, what did you do then? Okay, so what what did I do then? I'm I'm curious. I as had to how I had given you, myself yeah. a lot of ultimatums. Um, so, which is kind of how my life goes, you know, I give myself huh. a time period and I'm like, okay, you either accept this thing and you don't decide, but you start to like it because obviously liking something isn't your decision. I guess it can be at a certain point, but for me, it's definitely not. I'm way too, my head is too hard for that. I could never, <laughs> you know, force myself to like something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had given myself an ultimatum I said okay you have until I was just in the school for about two months the program was supposed to be for three years and I had said to myself you know what if you don't actually start liking this school you know you have to leave which was also a bit premature you know and um, I had reflected a lot and I had um I had done a lot of research also because there's a lot of uh, articles on the internet about how culinary school in today's day and age at least isn't as worth uh, your money as you would hope it to be as you would think it to be just because it's something so hands-on that even after you finish a three or four year degree what have you you go into a kitchen and you start as the lowest position possible and you just have to work your way up because in the kitchen that's right. how it works you know it's yeah. like you don't you don't just hop in and you're like, okay, sous chef. Like that's, that's just unfortunately right. not how it works. So I gave myself this ultimatum and I said, okay, because also in these articles that I had found online, they were very informative and very, uh, very many of them said, it makes sense instead of going to culinary school for you to start working now in a kitchen mm-hmm. and start learning hands-on because at the end of the day, nothing can prepare you for working in a kitchen like working in a kitchen so I was like okay sounds sounds pretty rational I'll do it you know sign me up so at that point that I had started looking for jobs in kitchens um and at this point I had given myself about so I was already in Italy okay so I had come here in 2016 in February I had stayed the entire semester I hadn't gone home until August Hmm. I was here I was I was legal. I was legal. I will say that. Um, but I wasn't, I was no longer on a visa. I just had a, a regular tourist visa that doesn't require any documentation. Okay. So I was here for seven or eight months, which was obviously my longest, you know, my longest period, not having been home. Um, so I had gone home in August, had arranged all the paperwork, uh, all the appointments at the consulate and everything to get my new visa for my, my studies. Um, I had gone back. School had started in October. I had stayed maybe until, this is embarrassing, maybe until December. <laughs> I'm sure many people can relate. Can they, Jackie? Follow <laughs> giving your it, passion. Giving it, yeah, I followed my passion for about two months. I, <laughs> I have very, very low pay, you know, tolerance for these types yeah. of things, for, yeah. for, for school and for um anything I don't like anything that I don't find enjoyment out of I'm just like well fuck that why the fuck am I gonna keep doing it you know which 
now I've realized to deal with a little bit, a little bit, not perfectly, but, um, you know, now I've kind of realized, okay, you have to pick something. You have to stick with it. You have to be an adult. (laughs) Shut up. You know, you have to stop bitching about everything Mm. and just shut up, go through with it. Because I have gone through so many life changes in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had then decided, I, I said, okay, I'm going to give myself until this was the next year. Now I had been in Italy for about a year. I had given myself until at that point, the following October. So about a year after I had started school, I had told myself that summer, I found a job being a camp counselor again with kids at the same school, which as you can imagine, maybe is even worse. I mean, it is, oh boy. It's, definitely, it's definitely worse than, than uh, just teaching a class of six three-year-olds instead of having, you know, 45, yeah. three to oh 10-year-olds running around a field, which, you know, definitely is not my cup of tea, not my whatever you want to call it. Um, so I had found some odd jobs. I was nannying I was babysitting I was teaching private English English lessons biking all over the goddamn city literally from end to end at all hours of the day I was working also in a Mexican restaurant um well then oh yeah 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 very I mean it was high season it was the summer so who doesn't love a good taco in the summer um, apparently everyone does yeah exactly so I started working at this um at this Mexican place which which means it's disgusting you know it's definitely not one of the best places we have um I was working there I was doing all these odd jobs I was teaching cooking classes also to children in English so it was kind of like some joint venture you know um, and from these cooking classes, if the parents had decided that they liked me, they would hire me to do babysitting for them, you know, and I would get paid more. Right. Um, so those are just six or seven of the jobs that I've had in, you know, about a month's <laughs> time, in about a month's time. Um, so like I was saying, I had given myself a, an ultimatum. I said, okay, you fucking find a job in the kitchen by January. At that point, it would have been nearly two years that I was living in Italy. Or you go the fuck home, you go back to your terrible engineering school where you'll finish your degree and you know maybe be super unhappy, but make loads of money after you graduate. Um, and then you could go and travel the world and do whatever the fuck you want. Um, lo and behold, I found a job in the kitchen. I had found a job in a restaurant in a cafe doing an aperitivo hour. For those of you who don't know what an aperitivo is, first of all, you fucking should. And second of all, <laughs> because it's the best hour of the day. Um, so true. It's just your, how do you describe it in English or in American Basically terms? happy hour, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's just happy hour. Um, but with this happy hour, you pay for the drink and you get an entire buffet. Um, so it was my job to prepare this buffet every single, or six out of seven days a week while I was working also at this American bar serving coffees in the morning you know waking up at the ass crack of dawn Mm -hmm. to fucking shake up some iced coffees like I was a barista at Starbucks even though I was working (laughs) in in the middle of Florence you know in this little American bar Um, so I was literally working from 
eight until 12. And then I would bike across the city like it was my job. It was my job. Um, because at 12, then I had started uh, going there to prepare for the aperitivo, which is usually about uh, at six o'clock. Um, to make a long story short, maybe I already missed that whole that whole part, but- That's a long um, day. No, it, it was definitely a long day and it was a long three months. I was doing it for three months and I had gotten to the end of my line. I was literally crying every single night to my friend. I had gone to her house every single night. She would pop us open a bottle of wine, which was my only saving grace. And we had just drank away all of my sorrows and her sorrows and the entire world's sorrows. Um, because I was working, you know, I, can't, I don't even know how many hours, at least 12 to 16 hour days two or three different jobs you know on Saturdays I was working at the Mexican restaurant I was barely I had no free days none whatsoever because of course my my free day at the, the cafe where I was making the happy hour um, did not coincide with my free day at the bar so uh, right. then I worked a double shift at the bar instead that free day <laughs> and I was still not even making enough money to uh, I was making a thousand euros a month before taxes at the cafe, which for those of you who don't understand Italian stipend mm -hmm. standards, it's, um, I mean, for anyone, I think that's absolute bullshit. You know, it's like, how can you expect anyone to survive on that? Luckily, right. the cost of living is much cheaper here, believe it or not, than it is in oh you know, in New Jersey or New York or where, where have you, you know, I was paying for my apartment in Hoboken, 14,000 a year. You know, yeah. Holy shit. Here it's like, I could, you know, for my own room, I could pay 300 euros a month, but still, you know, a thousand euros a month before taxes, then Italy, obviously, since everything is socialized here, you, at the end of the day, you maybe take home 75%, 70%, 60%. Right. So, you know, I was making maybe 600 euros a month. And uh, at the end of the day, also, it, uh, which is also an interesting story. So that place had, I had always knew that there was something a bit, as my sister would say, fugazi going on in that, <laughs> in that, in that bar. Um, lo and behold, it was run by the mafia. Um, oh, so oh, I had, okay. yeah, yeah. So I had the true Italian experience, you know, I had known these guys were douchebags and I was like, why won't they pay me more money? Why are they such assholes? Why are they always yelling at me? Why do they have such strong Sicilian accents? Mm. <laughs> it's, because they're, it's because they're mafiosi, you know? So I had the true Italian experience. Luckily I had gotten out in time. I had only stayed there for three months and then probably a month or two later, um, there was, because this was a, a relatively, um, this was an establishment in Florence. This particular cafe was a, a type of establishment that you would go to, you know, it was fairly famous um, or it had been in the past, maybe now had lost a bit of its uh, luster. But at the end of the day, um, it was all over the newspapers, all over the news that this bar was run by the mafia and that the owners had killed someone. I was like, oh, great. Glad it wasn't yeah. me. <laughs> oh my God. So uh, yeah, literally. So. Um, so yeah, and fast forward to now, let's just skip like the next three years because there's just right. loads of excess jobs that I just oh. don't, you know, that I don't feel like talking about because they were- Grinds like, so... like that, basically a continuous grind. I was, yeah, Wait, I was- 
I want to like back yeah. for a second. Like as you're talking, were all of these decisions made by you, or did your family think you were like a nutcase? Or did they know about <laughs> all these decisions that you made? Was it just kind of so? Like, my parents oh. had come, you know, during my semester while I was studying. They had come in March. I had only been here since February, and they had come around the middle of March, I think, around my sister's birthday, um, to stay for about ten days and visit me. At that point, like I had said, I I had decided my second day here, and I think my mom, you know, from our daily FaceTimes already that were going on for a month, she had realized. Okay. I've lost okay. one. You know, I've lost the kid. He's <laughs> okay. <staying> there. <laughs> you know, I've lost, which Aww. is her worst nightmare. Which is her worst nightmare. So, um, she uh, was very upset at first, um, and then. They didn't really question it you know they were not outwardly supportive you know I never depended on my parents to actually support me monetarily or mm-hmm. even emotionally for that matter you know if I needed mm-hmm. someone I was like oh my god this is a terrible experience why did I do this I would never go crying back to them you know because it's like okay you made this fucking decision yeah. now deal with it yeah. you know it was your dumbass decision to move halfway across the world um so I dealt with it they over the past five years they've been our relationship has changed, obviously, um, because me being here and I mean, my relationship with everything and everyone in America has changed. You know, I, I don't look at it the same way I used to. I don't look at my family the same way I used to. It's not that I look at them in a negative light now or before it was positive and now it changed to negative. I just have a much more, a much different mentality now that I live in in Italy and that I'm European and so metropolitan, you know, (laughs) it changes, Mm. you know, it changes your, your perspective um, without sounding too bourgeois, let's say. (laughs) Too Um, bourgeois. Yeah, too bourgeois. I'll I'll turn a little bit bourgeois. Just a little bit. But yeah, just... So they've supported me, but like I said, my um, I never really relied on them. Also, because after I had moved here, um, God, I was such a little typical white boy in America. You know, I was just so into like vest season and my bean boots and mm. you know my UGG slippers and uh, you know. I was on like club club lacrosse uh, in college, and I had played lacrosse in high school, and Very I true. had drove a I had drove a Jeep, and I just thought I was yes. like so cool and like all American. I thought it was like all American guy, and now moving, you know, having after moving here, I was just like, oh my god, you're not that at all you know that is not you you that has never been you you were just trying to fit in in the easiest way possible um so I feel like uh one of the main reasons that I've decided to stay here as long as I have because you know a decision on the second day could have very well lasted for a year six months or you know maybe even a bit longer but it's been five years and I have no intention on moving back to America for various reasons which I'm sure mm. you both may understand without, mm. without having to couldn't blame you yeah yeah um which I've said from the beginning you know without all this Trump bullshit I uh 
I've said it from the beginning, I have no intention of moving back to America or moving rather out of Europe. Um, right. Just because it gives you such a different mentality and such a, I don't know, it, it, it just opens your, your brain. And when I go back to America, um, I'm not able to see on the same level as people anymore. Not, not to say that I'm, you know, so advanced in my life and so avanti is what we say in Italian, but. Um, Your perspective I, has changed. My perspective has changed tenfold. So I, I go home and it's not that I, you know, I don't have a relationship with my parents, but my relationship with everyone back home, you know, friends included, family included, uh, everything has changed, you know, so, um, which is a good thing, which is a, a good thing, I think, because I also, when I go home, am able to introduce my, my perspective to people, which I, I really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if other people enjoy it so much. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. What do you think has, what do you think has changed about your perspective that you perhaps, oh God. that the oh people God. here would okay. uh, be more open to? Are Americans open? I mean, no. I mean, the easiest example that I could give is the idea of language, you know, the idea of language, which to me is mind boggling. You know, now that I know a second language, I will say I'm fluent in Italian. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, I don't know every word in the book, but I mean, my English is pretty shitty, too. So um, (laughs) I can I can completely communicate in Italian and for the, you know, 99 percent of the time get what I want to say across to whoever I'm speaking to. Right. Um, but this idea of language that I, I, I don't want to generalize and say Americans because I yell at Italians all the time. I yell at my boyfriend. I yell at my, uh, you know, Italian friends here, you know, his family and whoever because they want to say, oh, America. I'm like, you know what? America is the size, you know, your country is the size of Arizona. We have uh, America. <laughs> you know, Italy is the right. size of Arizona. Mm. So you can't even, and there's a, how many people are there in America? 330 million. Here that's there's such about a diverse 66. array of, of people. It's like a bunch well, that's of countries in one. Well, that's the thing. It's like you would, I don't know. I mean, you would, you would hope that it would be more diverse and open-minded in that sense, because it's such right. a vast place. You know, I right. hop on a plane and I get to a different country and I experience a different culture in an hour's time. You know, right. I can't even go to like Maryland in an hour. You know, it's like I can't even go where someone has a different accent in, in America in an hour's time unless I go to South Jersey. I guess that's different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but this this idea of language is mind boggling to me. You know, after having learned a second language and become fluent in, in something else and being able to communicate, you know, it's like before I was able to communicate with whatever, let's say England and America. Now I could communicate with another people, mm-hmm. you know, which is yeah. it's a, a concept for me that um, it's like the idea of education. You know, people always say no one could take away your education. No one can take away my language. No one can take away my ability to yeah. uh, speak to a different person, you know, in this country where. Whereas before, for me, it was it was really frustrating when I had first gotten here to not be able to communicate with a people that I had already felt such a profound um, connection with. You know, I, I yeah. felt connected with these people. 
because their country, I found it so breathtaking and their culture and everything about it. So um, again, I'll digress and uh, go back to this thing of language, this discussion of language, you know, the amount of Americans that, and like I said, I don't, I, I understand I can't generalize all of America, you know, but certain people in America have this preconceived notion that speaking a second language is like the equivalent of being a traitor. I, I, I don't even, I don't even know how to describe it because I don't understand this feeling. I mean, that's weird. I don't know. I think, I think probably a lot of our, maybe especially with you, Angela, and also Jackie, I mean, I know your families were also, especially Angela, you know, you're, you're, you have a known enough that lived yeah. here. No? Yeah. I'm a first oh, generation. Yeah. So, so I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. I can't even imagine what, what they went through, you know, it's like the fact that they had to, probably at some point of their lives be ridiculed for having spoken another language or not having perfected English mm -hmm. and maybe it's something that they they probably still experience um to me is mind-boggling because you know a knowing a different culture and experiencing a different way of life is nothing that should be looked down upon um so true so Angela, have your parents like talked to you about that at all, about their transition, about how it was for them to learn English and all of that? I mean, my parents came here in the 60s and like they certainly had a very difficult time transitioning to school and how old were they? That. My mom was on, I think she was nine and then my dad wow. was in his teens and um mm. he he finished I think he finished schooling in Italy but he never graduated from high school in the states and never went to college and basically the the way that they got through their transition at least my mom's uh was that when they went home there were communities of Italians in mm. New Jersey, like in Garfield. Right. Yeah, New Jersey, you know, New Jersey and, and Garfield and Lodi and yeah, yeah. Know, wherever else. Exactly. So that's sort of how I suppose they coped. But even so, like, it was very difficult, obviously. Um, but it, it was kind of a no-brainer. I feel like for them, it was just something that they had to do. Like a box no, that had course. to check its survival. It wasn't like, woe is me, I need to go meditate on this and heal from whatever discrimination yeah. they might have faced or you know challenges they just it just was what they had to do so yeah of course yeah I do think Nikki really bring up such an interesting point like in America you speak English that's that's the view <laughs> for it's me like, you speak English in America and like anyone who okay for instance we have such a large population of spanish speaking people in this country and soon it will surpass mm -hmm. the english speaking population i only hope i can only pray yeah yes i mean statistically that's the way it's supposedly yeah. going and yet you know our schools not there not very many of them have a robust and integrated dual language program 
Um, I think a lot of them, you know, basically have programs where they're trying to rid you of your accent and basically assimilate you into the American culture. Um, I think in recent years, they're trying to stray away from that and really, like I said, you know, make it more so dual language and have more sort of Spanish speaking classrooms. But it's I don't know though if if they're doing it you know there there are a lot of places that's a very good point there are a lot of places in America that now are doing you know dual language schools and whatnot I hope that they're doing it for the right reason you know not because Spanish now I guess is a commodity in some Mm. sense Mm. you know right like people have to not because they want to exactly you know it's like on my resume so I get a job yeah Right. You know, I want to know what, what goes through parents' minds when they're signing their kids up for a dual language school. Are they like, this is going to really make our country a better place and we should endorse these these other cultures that we have? Um, I doubt it, <laughs> but right. uh, one could hope. You know, I was also one of those people who um, unfortunately had this very closed mindset and I was like, why the fuck is everyone speaking Spanish here, you know? And I'm so appalled by myself and so embarrassed to actually say that out mm-hmm. loud, um, that that was part of my life at some point. But I also don't think it was, um, it was definitely partially my fault. But, you know, I, I don't think that I could have been blamed completely for that. You know, um, it also had to do with my upbringing. And, mm-hmm. you know, my mom is very much, unfortunately, still that person who doesn't, uh, who will still frown at someone speaking a different language um mm-hmm. so uh, this goes back to to me offering maybe more than if maybe when I go back home I'm more than offering my perspective maybe I'm pushing mm-hmm. it a little bit you know pushing the boundaries with my family at least my my parents you know to, to say the least um in that regard um because to see to see that still in society is insane. Insane, it's absolute insanity. I, I, I have no idea what the basis is. And um, In a globalized world, right? So interconnected, it's interest, it is interesting. It, it's more than interesting, it's despicable, unfortunately. So that's just oh. one way that your, pers- your, you know, living in Italy has shifted your perspective. Um, what are some other sort of cultural differences that um maybe took you a while to come around to or maybe you just freaking loved them immediately and you were like wow I love that this is different about Italy and I'm never going back yeah (laughs) well listen I there are many things many things of the culture I was just like yeah that's obvious why the fuck do we do it in America this way you know it's like things like dryers I'm a very environmentally cautious, you know, I, I try to take as many precautions as I can and recycle as much as possible and, you know, do whatever I can for the environment in, in any way, shape or form. It's like, mm. I go through the garbage. I th- I go through my boyfriend's garbage in his bathroom, which may be disgusting mm. every single day <laughs> to pick out his, to pick out his contact lens, plastic, oh daily things. <laughs> I go through it every single day and pick out those stupid little shits and put them into the. A and true I ask him every steward of our day, earth. 
mm-hmm. because you know what guys um a little a little side note here um if every single one of the people on the earth you know used or let's say even half three and a half billion people used daily contact lenses and every day open one of those little packets threw it out and just yeah. threw it in the garbage you have seven billion of those things every single day yeah. you know which, whatever I'll, that's a perspective shifter for sure it's scary anyway so the um some of the different perspectives okay um things like a dryer you know I was like listen I love a good dryer having your clothes nice and warm and throwing on a nice blanket or a sweater right out of the dryer you know when it's cold outside yes nothing yes. better but also the feeling which is very weird the feeling of um satisfaction that I get from hanging up my clothes outside on a drying rack or you know yes those drawing lines they're very common yeah you know I I had a a drawing line in my first apartment what are are they even called a clothing line like a lot clothesline sure we have one guys I'm I'm just and dishwashers are not as common is that correct okay that's one thing I caved on I did buy myself a dishwasher this was the first like I bought myself a dishwasher this year because I was like why the fuck am I torturing myself you know and I'm probably actually wasting more water washing all the dishes and pots individually apparently than that's I would true if I just yeah. yeah so I was like you know what sign me up I got a used one I didn't buy a new one I got a used oh, dishwasher wonderful I only paid 50 euros for it and it was one of the small ones because obviously Shit. things in Italy are much smaller right so my right kitchen, <laughs> my kitchen there was no way that a big large normal size dishwasher would fit into my under my cabinet um, or under my counter rather so I was forced to get a small one but it worked out I loved it um I have since moved out of that lovely luscious apartment I don't want to talk about it um but I (laughs) I will I do have very fond memories though out of that apartment you know because the sun would hit around 3 p.m so you got that really really hot sun so in the in the in the summer you know waiting for our clothes to dry here is the bane of our existence (laughs) because in the winter in the winter oh boy yeah about three or four days for your clothes to completely dry so it's like by the time they dry through if you don't put them directly on the radiator which means then you don't receive heat yourself so yeah do I freeze or do I, do I want my clothes to dry within one day's time? You know, you have a, a little balance. And a little yeah. trade-off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a little one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's like, this apartment had the perfect sun at 3 p.m. So I would do my laundry at like 1 and be done by 3. I would put it all on hangers with clothespins and then put it on my my shutters. I had shutters because I, right. I faced a, uh, a square. So all of the buildings that face onto the street side have to have shutters. So I would shut my shutters, but open them because the bottom half would open outwards um, and hang up all of my hangers in the in between the little slats. Mm-hmm. And my clothes would dry in half an hour. How so, and, and just knowing that I'm using the sun to dry my clothes just gave me such a feeling. I mean, I'm definitely a nerd in that sense. You are an eco-nerd but, for sure definitely an eco nerd but it gave me such a sense of satisfaction I was like why are people so wasteful in America and I'm like does my mom need to use her dryer in August when it's you know 100 degrees and sweltering heat outside no, probably not. I don't think so you know probably not 
So Angela, I applaud you and your family for having a clothing line. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, we, we try to, <laughs> clearly we've brought a lot of Italy. I was going to say that's very Italian-esque of you, which mm-hmm, I, I appreciate, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, what are some other things? I... Let's talk about alcohol. Oh, yes. <laughs> Drinking culture. Yeah. <laughs> As he takes a sip of, of his yeah. cerveza. Yeah, I have my cerveza. It's birda here, Jackie. Get it right. Birda. Yeah. <laughs> now, what is the um, drinking culture like in Italy? When you want, how you want, whatever you want. No, oh, it's yeah. not that bad. But it's 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 basically like that, you know. That did take some getting used to, you know, having, you know, if you go out for a staff lunch, you know, with the company that you're working at, everyone's like, yeah, let's bring on the wine you know it's like you're it's 1 p.m and you're you're sitting there okay. with your colleagues and we're just like let's get the most expensive bottle you know the work is paying let's get it oh, nice. <laughs> so um we also have an open container law which means that i could walk around with the beer oh yeah um which is pretty pretty great it's pretty incredible um unfortunately american students really take it to heart Mm-hmm. walk around with entire wine bottles just chugging out of them which is really not a good look and just really reinforces our stereotype come on we're yes. in the land we're in the land of the graves here y'all we need to we need to be classy we need to be a little bit classy we need to step up our game have some respect for the culture which i mean jokingly but also seriously you yes, know it's like you I, I worked oh, in study abroad for another more jobs. I worked in study abroad for one and a half, two and a half years. I just stopped this past July. Um, yeah. Yeah. You were there and, for a long time working basically. Well, I had, yeah. With. Um, I had switched schools um, halfway right. through. Um, and had but in that sort of, even, um, I guess, yeah, like student counseling environment as in, yeah, yeah exactly exactly yeah I was basically like a glorified mm, a glorified uh how should I say it like a slave for the students oh <laughs> advisor because, ag- advisor glorified but I was to put it know, nicely uh, yeah there was definitely a toilet here or there that I had to unclog and you know wow getting emergency on phone calls Mm. Yeah, emergency phone calls at, you know, two in the night because a light bulb went out. Okay, From clueless Americans who don't know, didn't basically know what to do. I see. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Shocking, isn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So I, um, they, unfortunately, they really take the the open container law to heart. And they really. It does not surprise me. They love it. They love it. They love it. You know, it's very barbaric. It's something that Italians really will judge you for, which I don't blame them now having lived here for five years, you know. Um, it's also part of the eating culture, you know. It's not just drinking culture. It's part of their, and not even just their eating culture. It's their culture. You know, it is their mm-hmm. bread and butter, you know. And right. I'm, you know, pun intended. It's their bread and butter and their wine. You know, it's like, how dare you not sit down and eat your meal and drink your wine in peace with yourself and with the people around you, which I completely agree with. You know, I love it's that. like, how dare you not? How, like you, I should be damned if I am not, I mean, yeah, of course I do take a, 
to go P- Panino every now and again. But um, to walk <laughs> <laughs> to walk around with a bottle of wine, you know, sipping without even a Dixie cup, you know, yeah. that's where no, that's really painful. You know, they put they put the, the the sword in my heart with the bottle of wine. As if it wasn't enough, just the bottle of wine. They just sip it out of the bottle. They don't even get a plastic cup. What the fuck happened to a solo cup, guys? <laughs> Apparently not a thing in Italy. Desperate times. They are glugging those American students. God, it's terrible. Anyways, so that's uh, that's another part of Italian culture that I really um, learned to love. You know, it, it definitely isn't a hard thing to love, you know, their food and their drink culture because it's all based around the appreciation of not only the food and the the drink, what you're drinking, but also the company and your own well-being. And right. It sort of intertwines with with leisure and self-care. You know, there, there's so, not. So I was just gonna say that it's so. That's the point of it. It's like you will sit down, and I mean, this is you know among at least my American friends. You know, it's like you know if you're going to the in-laws' house for a Sunday lunch, it's like you better prepare to have your ass fall asleep because it's mm-hmm. like you are gonna eat all of those seven courses, knock it up from the fucking table, and just stuff your face, and you'll be there for four hours eating lunch. Which I completely agree with now, you know, I feel like it's an enjoyable experience, you know, it is, it's part of, it's one of the simplest ways to actually indulge yourself and, and relax, you know, without actually having, without actually the literal sense of indulging yourself, of, you Mm. know, stuffing your face, you know, enjoying the food, enjoying your company, having a good talk, having a good glass of wine. It's like, there's so few things that are more enjoyable. I know I'm in company and you guys agree. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. Absolutely. It's like been slower. I visited Sicily when I was in elementary school. It's been a while, but I still feel like the culture is just slower than it is. Here. Yeah. No one's like, I went I, get somewhere. I've never been to, to Sicily, but this summer I have been, I've traveled a fair amount in Italy for work and also for, for pleasure. Um, I've gone as far as Puglia, which is the, it's, um, what part of the boot is it? Puglia is all the way south before, you know, to the, it's on the mainland of Italy, Mm. um, across from Sicily, basically. Mm. Um, And it kind of goes across the country. And, you know, the further south you go, uh, the more intense this, this culture is, you know, the Italian culture in general is, I'd say, you know, I was Mm. in... My boyfriend and I went to Sorrento this year because he's never been um, in his 42 years of life. I have no idea how he has never been to Sorrento. Um, so we decided to go to Sorrento um, and we always do our, our holidays around his birthday. And you go there and you just feel a connection with the place but not only with the place but just with the people and their hospitality you know it's like you you go to these places and you didn't even know they existed and these people existed and they could be so welcoming and 
you don't even understand them because basically when you're when you're traveling that far away from where you're from you know the north if you go to a different different region in italy you know just an hour away they speak a different dialect it's like you don't understand shit absolutely absolutely nothing you know i went to sicily and these guys were basically mumbling i was yeah. like <laughs> you, i was like you could basically be speaking i don't know like mandarin right now for all i know and it would still sound the same it would literally sound the same so um it was absolutely amazing you know um italy in general this this culture that they have is is really eye-opening and it does it forces you it really forces you to slow down which is something i think that americans lack and um it's interesting because one of the first things i, I mean it, I, I speak with an accent in italian of course i mean i try to have my best florentine accent as possible because the italian language did come from florence as much as the the milanese would like to dispute it it's true <laughs> it came from here it came from our parts um but so i i speak with uh, obviously i sound american a bit when i when i speak so people ask me where are you from you know are you english are you american are you you know maybe i could trick them for a minute or two but then uh-huh. the question always <laughs> the question always comes uh-huh. out um and their first question is i said you know, I'm American. I've been here for X amount of years doing blah, blah, blah. First question, without a doubt, without fail, is you're American. Why the fuck are you here? Really? <laughs> Why do you live in Italy? It's the first thing because they have this this idea that, I mean, not anymore. Let's not, let's, <laughs> let's call this, right. <laughs> let's, let's call a spade a spade with mm-hmm. this one and just say it how it is. Not anymore. I mean, America's not looked up. I mean, four years ago in my first year, my second year, maybe even in the first one or two years of Trump's presidency, it was not looked down upon right. as it is now. Right. Um, it's seen sort of by others, by really, it, or, like it's said, like the before. promised land. Right. For them, it's like the promised land. So it's like you tell them as you're like American, a bastion of the, democracy, of wealth, mean, it, it, of possibility. Of wealth possibilities and you know of wealth and a cool lifestyle and you know whatnot you know I I have no idea what they think because I could not be further away from their idea of Mm -hmm. the American society you know I don't understand how they see it as that I mean like I said they don't anymore most of them at least um but you know without a doubt without a fail without failure it was always the first question you know what are you doing in Italy and I would say you know I'm here because I want to slow down you know because I don't appreciate the American lifestyle I don't appreciate the fact that everyone is just go 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 and the fact that everyone works for I mean you have to look at this objectively you know it's like um which I'm sure you guys agree with to some extent, you know, it's like Americans have such an unhealthy relationship with their work because it's seen as your life. You know, your work is really seen as your life. And here your work is seen as, you know, obviously depending on what your work is, because my boyfriend's work is much more serious than mine possibly will ever be. Um, but and for that he takes it very seriously and he works like a dog but 
in, in general, you know, your job here is seen just as that, you know, it's your job, whereas mm -hmm. everything else is your life, where in, whereas in America, your life is your job and everything else is kind of just things that fit into your, your job schedule, you know, which is when I was living there still, um, it was just depressing, you know, it, it's a really depressed, depressing thought that you're going to, you know, work your ass off for four or five years in college, get to a point when you graduate and that's it. Your life is done. That's what everyone tells you, right? It's like, of course, um, there's exceptions to that rule. Everyone, you know, people are more likely now to take a gap year than 10 years ago and, mm -hmm. you know, to stay at home and live with their parents for a few years to pay off their student loans and whatever. But mm -hmm. um, while working like a slave, you know, being a slave to their job, which is something that I cannot get on board with. I, I don't think that I could ever bring myself to be someone, you know, Right now I'm, I'm back in school, I'm studying interior design, but which is really, hopefully this time my passion. Let's really Your just next hope, life. Yeah. let's hope it's my next life because I don't really think I could have another one after this. Like it's just been too much. <laughs> Getting tired. The, the past five or six have just been really, yeah, painstaking. Um, but even, you know, as much as I love a job or love what I do, I don't think that I'll ever be at a point in my life when I'll, you know, give up my leisurely time and my ability to enjoy anything in life, you know, for a job. I, 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 I don't see how any job is worth that. I, I think you're, you're robbing yourself of something if you you know, you kind of do this grind where you work for 45 years, you retire when you're 66 or 70 or 75, because let's be honest, every single year it goes up. And then at that point, you're like, okay, let's retire. You know, I have enough to last me 10 years. Hopefully I, hopefully I can now enjoy that. I can but then enjoy after that, exactly. Now I can enjoy my life. That's the main thing. You know, this conception that you have to wait yeah. to enjoy your life it's like why yeah. would you do that why would you do that so for me I think that's one of the main reasons that I, I always go back to one of the, the you know the main reason that I have no desire to go back to America obviously like I, I I can't stress it enough obviously that America can't be generalized you can't generalize America because you know if you're living in Malibu in California Obviously, maybe your worth ethic is a bit different than if you're mm. working in Manhattan. You know, it's just it's just part of the cost. Absolutely. But um, I don't think that no matter where I live, I could pop on board with that type of lifestyle. So here in Italy, it's or in Europe rather. You know, it's like when I was working um, these past few years, and I had actually had a good job. You know, I had a a, a job contract working full-time and having full benefits being part of the um, the healthcare system the national healthcare system and um, being able to go to school and um, what have you you know it's these things that um, allow me to to realize the importance of life you know it's like I was able to you know me working not having any degree maybe not making anything really, you know, it's like I was making an all right salary for 
for Italy or rather for Florence even because in Italy you can't even generalize in Milan you need to make double of what you make in Florence but Mm -hmm. um, you know I was making enough to survive more than enough to survive enough to pay for my own apartment in a piazza that was beautiful you know with breathtaking views Um, yeah Instagram has seen enough of it for sure (laughs) yes you know I was able to get 30 days paid vacation you know oh I was paid I was paid for 30 days off shut up yeah 30 days you're rubbing it in we're moving to Europe Okay, that's, that's, the, that's the standard for all of Europe. You know, it's never less than like three or four weeks, depending on, I mean, obviously it depends on your job as well, you know. Um, but if you have a job with a contract, a normal full-time job, you get your 30 days, that's it. You know, it's like, so the fact that I, this was a, a super weird realization for me, you know, because it's like, everyone's always asking me, you know, my boyfriend included and whoever, are your parents going to come and visit you? Are your parents going to come and visit you? They haven't visited you in five years. Um, you always have to go home and visit them. I say, you know, yeah, of course they would like to visit me. My mom would love to come back to Florence because she loves it. Um, but Americans have two weeks vacation, you know. Mm. <laughs> if you're lucky. If that, yeah. if that, you know. So it, it comes down, unfortunately, to that a lot of the time, you know, people not, not being able to... Um, leave their job you know they're they're literally not able to leave their job because they're they're chained to it um so that's what I have to tell people here you know okay so like I just want I feel like you've successfully um debunked this whole like America is the place where you can live the best life (laughs) right like people listen that i won't it was like okay i'm gonna come to america for all the opportunity and this lifestyle and objectively it's not better it's just a matter of the lifestyle that you want to live yeah like okay subjectively okay if you want to go and live in manhattan work your ass off but like it doesn't mean it's better objectively Absolutely. I mean, my boyfriend tells me all the time, he's like, babe, why don't we move back to America? Why don't we go to, he's from here. He grew up in Florence. Um, He's like, why don't we go live in New York? You know, I'll sell everything and um, I'll buy us an apartment in New York. I'm like, even with how much money you make and everything that you have to sell, good luck. You know, it's like, (laughs) good luck. Because, you know, we, we both know that we have or at least I have caviar taste on a what is it called? What budget? Mm, don't don't a no. garbage budget. Let's just say yeah. the lowest budget possible. <laughs> uh, but his budget is a bit more than mine is. But even still, it's like it's it's absolute absolutely objective. You know, it's all about what kind of a lifestyle you want. Because for people who want to work seven days a week and you know are so passionate about their careers more power to you if you want to go live in New York and live on Park Ave and you know have your job and uh unfortunately in my in my uh in my, from my perspective you know lose part of your life doing it that's your prerogative you know mm-hmm. but um so it definitely is objective you know a lot of people you know Italians unfortunately see it as being um, in the simplest way possible, see it as 
as money. You know, they see America and Americans, I think, as dollar signs or euro signs, whatever you want to say, you know, mm. um, where they they won't ever have a profound understanding of the American lifestyle unless they actually go there and live there. Mm. And I, I, I beg them not to. I always tell them, you know, don't do it. So please, <laughs> please, for your, your sake, for my sake, don't do it. You know, it's like you live in Europe. You could, you're part of the European Union. You can go wherever the fuck you want in these 20, what is it, 27 now? 27 countries. Or is it 27? Sorry, England. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You're the European. Yeah. I, I, it, was, <laughs> it was 28 and now it's 27, I believe. Yeah. But it's like you can go wherever you want in these countries and you can, granted, you make a lot less money in, or you have the potential, I think, to make a lot less money in Europe or in Italy, a country like mm-hmm. Italy, at least, because I, I can strictly speak for Italy. Mm-hmm. I've never lived in a, in a different part of Europe, but you can make what you make here, you can make tenfold in America. You know, it's like lawyers in America. If you're even a basic lawyer who kind of sucks, it's like you could be making a hundred thousand a year. Whereas here, a normal lawyer maybe makes 2000 a month, which is a great salary here. You know, it's like 2000 yeah. is, yeah. I mean, not great, but it's a salary that you can support yourself on. You can have an apartment, you can have a life, you can travel, you can do, mm. you know, do more or less. You could, you're, you have a lot of freedom, you know, with that, with that type of money. Um, so that's kind of the argument that I always revert to when mm-hmm. I, when I speak to, especially Italians, because they have this, like I was saying, they have this mentality, this idea, this notion that America, this big thing right. that, you know, why wouldn't you want to go to America? Why wouldn't you want to live in America? Uh, because it sucks, guys. Your money goes nowhere. <laughs> like, it will take you zero, yeah. very few places. Now, Nikki, uh, to tie this up, I really want, it's so, especially based on what you just discussed, right? Okay. You said when you first, sort of the first couple or few years that you were in Italy, that America had such a great reputation. And I am very curious to know, well, what is the reaction you get now to America? Um, And how how often are you asked about Donald Trump? Oh God. Probably not. (laughs) I mean, on the daily, I think now it's become, to answer your last question, I used to be asked about him. I mean, I remember when he was first elected, I was in the culinary school, it was November. So I was still within my two months there. Um, (laughs) I had showed up to class after having been awake almost the entire night with the exception Uh of maybe two hours that I slept because I was watching CNN live from my bed. Uh And I had showed up to school and everyone was like, oh, Trump, then I'm like, I literally just stared at them and was like, shut the fuck <laughs> like I will not tolerate you right now mm-hmm. um, which has been a lot of the last four years you know I um, you have a lot of of course being here I have a lot of there are a lot of expats in Florence so I do have a lot of American mm-hmm. friends um, and we kind of speak amongst ourselves um, but I think it's interesting the fact that um, at least for me you know I can only speak for myself but 
for me, speaking to an Italian about my politics is kind of off the table because mm. they see it with a very basic understanding. I mean, listen, I don't know if you guys know anything about the Italian political system, but it is absolutely it's pretty bad as well now. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. It's horrendous. I mean, they can, they've had in, since they've, um, since they've had their new declaration of, you know, their constitution of rights, I guess in, in the, when was it? The sixties, I can, I think it was 68 or something, you know, they've had 70 different governments or something along those lines because their governments can just dissolve. They just dissolve their governments. If you no longer have the trust of the parliament, it dissolves. So literally there's been presidents who have been seated for you know three or four days and then their, their government is just dissolved because they no longer have the trust of um, okay. of, of the government yeah it's and they have doesn't seem exactly stable. you know in america you know we have 500 and how many congressmen and right. um you know 50 all sorts of know, representatives exactly every level. they have more parliamentarians for their country than we do for ours wow so and i mean you and have it's to a small country imagine, yeah it's the size of uh, like yeah, Arizona. Arizona yeah. So like, and uh, a fifth of the population, uh, less than a fifth, about a fifth. Wow. Um, so you look at these and then you also have to realize, okay, everyone talks about the mafia and everything else. You have to realize it's an actual issue in this country. There is a lot of corruption at every level of the government um, and policing and things like that. You know, mm. um, maybe it's not as apparent because what I always tell them is that, you know, because they'll always try to console me, which I appreciate to some extent, you know, it's like, they're like, yeah. oh, but we had Berlusconi. And I don't know if you guys know anything about Berlusconi, but he was, guess what? A TV mogul. <laughs> and they, yeah. Oh, he, so they he was the, a little. Really, yeah. He was the Italian Trump, but mm-hmm. um, worth a lot more money, I guess. Um, and unfortunately he also was in power for a very long time um but so they they try to use this as some Mm. type of a consolence you know they try to console me with this and say oh but don't worry we had exactly commiserate that's the perfect word and they're like oh but we had Berlusconi and I'm like do you realize what countries we're talking about right now you know Italy is the size of my pinky nail yeah and we're talking about my fist you know it's like yeah these are two different things guys you can't even compare them so just going back to the what I was saying before, I, I don't really like to speak um, about politics with any Italians because mm. I think, it, I mean, everyone knows that politics is a volatile discussion that can be very explosive, volatile, yeah. you know, it's, it's definitely not the easiest thing to talk about with anyone, you know, your family, your friends, especially if they're not on the same page as you. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I think that we've learned to cut people out of their lives if they're not on the same page with us, you know, um, which is probably the easiest way to do it. But here, I think not having an understanding of our actual government and how things function um, gives you a certain, you know, it, it's ignorance, you know, it's easy to be that way but and it's not your fault obviously because who expects an Italian to understand the American government system and why would Mm -hmm. I be expect I mean 
at this point, me living here after five years, I should know more yeah, about the Italian yeah. government than I do. I do know some, but not so much. Um, but, you know, it's like, why would they be expected to understand the American political system? Because, you know, it's a fairly complex, complicated system. So I, I choose not to, I kind of shut them down immediately. If it's, if I could see it, you know, in any way, shape or form kind of going in a bad direction, I just shut them down and say, you know what? Oh, we're not talking about Trump, sorry, you know? Mm. Um, and I, I've never gotten a bad reaction. I think um, a lot of people, I've never really encountered, to be honest, they, they think he's a fucking nut job. You know, most of them here, mo- most of them, most of them, I'm sure, you know, because it's like there were supporters also for Berlusconi who, mm-hmm. Right. is on the same spectrum you know it's like same exact thing just different country mm. um so of course you're gonna have people who who think and europe has very very a long history but also very recent history you know you think about countries like berlin uh berlin see ciao uh, you think uh-huh. about countries like like germany or you know who have this such recent trauma you know, and Italy with its recent trauma and, uh, you know, even yeah. from the 60s and not to say that America doesn't, but I think that at least we thought the most of our trauma had already been experienced, you know, mm-hmm. it was happening in, you know, right. the 17, 1800s, there was slavery, there was slavery no more Then it was like, okay, there's just a little hiccup in the 1960s, civil rights, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know it's like who the fuck would have thought that there would be such a a large hiccup again you know it's like so for that reason I I I really choose not to speak politics with Italians because I I don't think it's fair also to 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 emerge someone in this cesspool of (laughs) of terrible information you know it could get very depressing very quick obviously I only speak about it with Nicolo, my boyfriend, um, because he is a very, very, he's very interested in politics, Italian and American alike. So he tries to develop an understanding, a deep understanding of how our system works, which I appreciate, you know, it's like, in order to, like I said, I don't speak about Italian politics to people, you know, maybe I'll have a very surface conversation saying, oh yeah, Berlusconi was a fuck up or something, you know, but I won't I won't go into depth because I'm I'm not at liberty to to say these things, you know. Yeah. It could get very offensive. So yeah. To answer your question, they There's fucking hate him. Uh, <laughs> Luckily. Yeah, thank goodness. It's been a long four years here. You know, it's been a long, right, very desperate feeling four years. You know, I I I understand everyone's desperation. I feel like even on a different level, because here it's like not being able to do anything, right? you know, not being able to go to a Black Lives Matter march, which I did. I did go to a, a, our Black Lives Matter march here in Florence. Oh. In, um, when was it? It was in July, I guess. Um, I went to a march here and um, it's, you, you feel desperate, you know, you, you try to do whatever you can. The, even the smallest thing and as, you know a lot of the times the smallest thing or even the biggest thing you could do rather is speaking to your friends about it because you feel so helpless helpless and desperate 
and there's nothing we can do here. You know, it's like we can't stand up for for um, Black Lives Matter in the sense that we could if we were home. You know, it's like if I was home, it's like I'd be out in fucking New York every single day throwing eggs at Trump Tower. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I I would not be um, I would not be feeling so helpless. So our desperation uh, has really subsided a lot over the past whatever was had subsided rather (laughs) over the past uh, month or two unfortunately it's returned a bit but um, we're excited to you know speaking on my behalf and on on behalf of my friends you know as American citizens where we take it very harshly you know it's 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 harsh for us to to know even at the country that we're living in, you know, being so far away from America is so opposed to everything that they're doing and everything that we stand for now, you know, it's, it's embarrassing. It's truly, obviously it's embarrassing for all Americans. You know, if you're on Trump's side or not, you know, people have changed. The world looks at us differently, which is something that, you know, we'll, we'll stick around for a really long time. You know, we'll never have, standing in the world that we did five years ago so that was a nice positive conversation (laughs) (laughs) Nikki it has been so fascinating um speaking with you (laughs) no truly uh, you have like, like we said you know you have so much lived experience um because you put yourself out there. You flung yourself into yeah. the universe. And I feel very inspired by, I, I know you. maybe you feel lot. like you're still discovering yourself and, and had moments where, you know, you say in hindsight, you know, maybe I would have done things differently, but I, I think you are very inspiring with the risks that you've taken and also with the way that you live your life. I certainly will try and keep some of this, especially mm-hmm. our, our discussion about some of like the Italian lifestyle differences. Mm-hmm. I hope to to keep some of that with me going forward. Slow down. You Jen. should. You yeah, absolutely. Slow down. It should be one of your one of your new life resolutions, not yeah. just new year, new life. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Everyone needs a new life now and again. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, yeah, I think better to tell so us much. that than Nikki. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciated it. Um, And I hope I can join you again someday. Yes, you would. I hope so. Also in person, let's be honest. Yeah, that would be great. (sighs) I know. Crossing our fingers for that. Let's hope. Yeah. Let us hope. Thank you guys so much. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. Till next time, Nikki. Ciao, ciao for now. Ciao. Ciao. That's all for us today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Let's Talk Life. You can like and follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Life and subscribe most places where you find your favorite podcasts. Let's Talk Life is produced by Jackie and Angela with editing and sound design by Angela. See you all next time.